so you slept in. We're not judging, sometimes you just need to get a little bit more sleep, and if you do need to sleep, we would much rather you did that at home than in our pews. You can always catch up with a sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. Now there are important parts of church that we think you can't get through a podcast, like community and music and the adorable things that children say during children's moment, and of course the cookies after service, but we're going to give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall, and I'm a United Methodist pastor in Reno, Nevada, and today I am here with the Reverend Anthony Fada, who is a United Methodist pastor in Aptos, California. We're not theological experts or preaching experts. We are average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. So we're glad that you've joined us. We hope that you uh, receive this with an open mind and an open heart and do your own thinking about it. You don't have to agree with us about anything as you consider the following. Anthony, how are you doing, man? I'm good, but speak for yourself in terms of being an expert or not. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. No, Anthony is definitely an expert in all things. Kidding, kidding, kidding. Uh, (laughs) We are also joined by Anthony's adorable land otter, Olive. Yeah, my dog is sitting on a chair watching us record. She's sending me telepathic messages on what to say. Yes, absolutely. She's a good preacher herself. She's a good Christian, actually. She's a great Christian. (laughs) She's also a stunning fashion model. And if you check out Anthony's Instagram page, you will find that. That's true, yeah. Anyway, so um, so Anthony, what did you preach about last Sunday? I preached about, I'm a lectionary preacher, so I like preaching lectionary, and so I preached on the baptism of the Lord, which is a little bit out of order, but I had to fit it in. Yeah. So I preached on baptism. Sweet. I did not preach on Sunday because our church had some flooding issues, and we had a guest preacher schedule, so he preached on Sunday. But uh, this was a sermon that I ended up using, or a scripture that I ended up using with the youth retreat that I preached at a couple weekends, or last weekend. And so I was bummed that it wasn't going to be on the podcast. And now that you are preaching Voila. about it, I'm very excited. Go. So the, you preached from Matthew, I'm guessing? Yes. So what was kind of the heart of your sermon? Well, the scripture is Matthew chapter 3, uh, verses 13 through 17, which is when Jesus is headed down, down to the River Jordan to be baptized by his cousin John. And the first part of my sermon really was sort of a question Because of all the things we think about baptism, we think of it as a cleansing of original sin. We think of it as sort of a symbolic death and resurrection in unity with Christ. And we we also think about it as being initiated into Christian community. And so the interesting thing about the baptism of the Lord is why did Jesus have to get baptized, right? Right. Because he's supposed to be the the grade A one perfect type person of faith. Well, when you're fully human and fully God... (laughs) <laughs> what does baptism necessarily need to be? You right. Know? Like you, you be cleansed from what for what? Right. And yeah. so for a pretty big portion of my sermon, I was just talking about how Jesus was actually modeling to the people what baptism means really for all of them. And so I sort of said, you know, he's a teacher. So we think of him as redeemer, savior, all those things. But at the heart of his human life, he was a teacher. And he was a he, rabbi. He's a rabbi. He's referred to as rabbi. And so teachers you're an elementary school teacher and you write two plus two on the board, you're not doing that for your own enlightenment. I'm assuming you learned how to do two plus two like way else. long ago, right? And um, having some kind of a practical... Yeah. And so I don't think that Jesus was necessarily doing this for his own well-being, but rather as a way of um, modeling to the folks who are gathered there how important it is to really be able to like start anew, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's sort of what John the Baptist was talking about, right? This whole repent idea was Mm -hmm. the idea of come on down and realize that life can be different. 
that you can choose something different and that you don't have to be held back by mistakes that you've made or choices yeah. that um, might still affect you. Or but, what the world puts on you. Yeah, but you don't have to All be identified things. by that. Yeah. And so Jewish baptism is different than Christian baptism. So what does Christian baptism mean to you? Well, Jews would never call it baptism. What would they call it? Well, Jews, um, gosh, what is the word for that? Back in the day, well, and still today, too, take these ritual baths in a mikveh, which is like a traditional bath. And so sometimes it would be for spiritual cleanliness, and sometimes it's for physical cleanliness. It all depends on sort of how intense you are in your in your Judaism. And mm-hmm. I should also say that I'm not an expert on Judaism. So, <laughs> <laughs> What are the things that you are an expert on? Well, I don't know. We'll get into that soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, everything and nothing. Everything so baptism nothing. for me, though. So I was baptized when I was 15 years old. I'm one of those people who was baptized and confirmed in a 20 minute period. Oh, wow. So I like to think that my baptism really, really stuck because. Because <laughs> you chose it. I chose it and it was confirmed immediately. I yeah. didn't have, you know, 15 <laughs> years to forget about it. No waiting period. Were you, were you baptized in the Methodist Church? I was, yeah, in Bridgeport, United Methodist Church in Bridgeport, New York. Wow. Um, And for me, baptism is all about the vows that I took. And so I think when I was baptized, I entered into a covenant with both God and also sort of the church universal to be a person who's going to be living out the gospel in the world. And that means rejecting the forces of evil and and depression in whatever forms they may present themselves. Amen. That's one yeah. of our vows. Yeah, yeah, that's like, I like I call it the superhero vow. Yeah, but. in fact, I talk about a little bit in the sermon about one of my mentors and from when I was in seminary. And I was moved by the fact that she had her baptismal certificate from 1954 framed in her office. And she just said, you know, this is my reminder. You know, so as pastors, sometimes we deal with a lot of things that aren't necessarily mission and or gospel oriented. Right. And I'll just leave that at that. um, (laughs) So this was her reminder to ground her and say, you know, I know, you know, there might be other issues going on in my work life or my personal life, but like, this is really what my trajectory is supposed to be. And so she kept that. And so I don't even know where my baptismal certificate is. It's somewhere in a pile of papers in my parents' house. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure mine's in a filing cabinet somewhere. But I would like to be able to frame it. And... To prove that I have been inoculated against the forces of evil. <laughs> well, and it is a legal document, so... Is it really? Yeah. I, I remember my last church, people would Use call... it for... Would they use it... You can't use it to, like, get your license at the DMP or anything. No, but um, you could use it... Let's say not in lieu of a birth certificate, but like as an interim interesting type thing. Yeah. Because if it's an infant baptism, usually at least you probably were born in that community. Right. Maybe. Or within, you know, yeah, I don't know. Within driving distance. This was also probably used like in the 1950s when more people were baptized, number one, and people moved And people less. were less likely to be, you know, born in a hospital. Or, or born in other countries. You know? Yeah. So. so baptism for you was a choice. But I know in our church, we also baptized the babies. Yes. And I love that, that we do that because for me, baptism is, you know, when you're 15 or 16 or an Mm -hmm. adult, like it is a choice, but it's also for us an external sign of God's grace, which happens whether or not we choose it. Sure. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so we baptize babies in the church to be able to say, this child is loved by God, is called by God, is known by God, and that's important to us. Yeah. Whether or not they choose to be a part of this community, whether or not they choose to 
subscribe to the institutional denomination, whatever, whatever that means, like that, that it's an affirmation for us of faith about the value of this child and the vows that we take as people to try and live lives of integrity so that these kids know what we think it means to be a Christian. Yeah. And I think regardless of what age you are baptized, whether you're an infant or a youth or an adult, I think what it really is saying is saying no matter what the potential of this life is, that God is with this person, that Mm -hmm. God loves this person, and that that person is and can be used as an instrument by God at any time, you know, the calling can, and that can happen with people who are not baptized too, I guess. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's just, I, a, it's a sign for us. It's a symbol of what that yeah, means. Yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. Do you have any like memorable baptism stories? I mean, your own obviously was yeah, actually, christened by God who, sh- who appeared in the form of a dove and came down and said, this is my beloved child with whom I'm well pleased. But do you have any stories of a, as a pastor of attending a baptism or performing a baptism? Well, I haven't performed many baptisms, but I've been to a bunch of them. Okay. So I've witnessed them. And I actually think it's more powerful for me spiritually and emotionally to witness a baptism versus to be actually doing one. Doing the logistics of it. Yeah, because when you're doing it, you're just sort of trying to get everything right and in order yeah, and just... making sure this baby's not crying. And, <laughs> um, but I actually um, I so opened... You, so I opened do you my... have any secrets for not making babies cry? My, my secrets are warm water and a soft sweater. Definitely always warm water. Yeah. Yes. Um. I like to, especially if the baby's a little older, uh-huh. I like to splash a little bit in the water. Let them play with it, yeah. Well, I have to let them play with it or just like let them, no, just get them happy. They smile. <laughs> it's like reminiscent it makes, of, reminiscent of being in a happy. tub, right? And they like like that yeah. splashing sound. Anyway, I do start my sermon with sort of two funny stories about okay. baptisms that I witnessed. And one of them was at a church and the child probably was like two Okay. And the pastor, um, you know, reached down and did the first sort of sprinkle uh-huh. on the forehead. And then the child took the lead and then reached down and grabbed his own water <laughs> with his hand <laughs> and splashed it on his own forehead. <laughs> I thought you were saying he splashed it on the pastor's forehead and that no, would have been good no, too. No. He did it on his own forehead. Actually, yeah. it was really cute. So that was one of them. And then another one, I had a teaching assistant in seminary who told this story. She was teaching us Reformation history, which is not the most exciting topic. But it's thrilling. Oh, what are you talking about? Anyway, we're talking about the doctrine of original sin, which comes up to be you know looked upon again during the Reformation right. and what exactly that means. And so she was trying to explain to us, like, because you know, everyone's wary of, oh, a baby is born, you know, they're innocent. Like, yes, but it's the, it's the system and the world that they're born into, right? That's right. like so the real original sin. Yeah. And so she told a story about how she was baptizing twins. And she had another pastor who was helping her. So she was holding the twins. So both of her hands were, were, full. were full. And the twins both had pacifiers in their mouth. And so they were quiet and just, you know, being Chilling. pacified. Until, until, until the water strikes their foreheads. No, 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 no. So before the water even hit them. One of the children's pacifier had fallen out, and you could just see that, like, the the tears were about to come, right? Uh-huh. And so everyone was just, like, waiting for it. But then the baby who lost his pacifier, or her pacifier, I don't remember what the gender of the child was, reached over and grabbed the sibling's pacifier and ripped it out of, <laughs> ripped it out of the mouth and stuck it in his own mouth. Oh, no. And so the punchline to that was they had to baptize that baby like super fast because it had already it had already like stolen something. Yeah. <laughs> quick, quick! He needs to repent. 
cleanse. He needs to repent. Exactly. That's funny. I I did a baptism that I thought was perfect. And it was a loud, uncomfortable, horrible affair Mm -hmm. where this baby had, as soon as his parents handed him to me, gone to the bathroom in his diaper. And he Mm. wanted desperately to be changed. And don't we all? But um, (laughs) he wanted desperately. He had to be made new. He had to be made new and cleansed. That was not possible in that moment because we had to continue with the baptism. So the parents hand me this baby and audibly he goes to the bathroom and immediately starts screaming and I'm doing this baptism. And luckily I was not wearing my microphone that day because he was like grabbing at anything he could Mm. find. And I've got this handheld microphone um, that I can kind of keep away from him. But we baptize him and I do this thing where I like walk up and down the aisles of the church and I say, you know, this is your family now. These are your brothers and sisters. There are no grandchildren of God. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they might be older than you or younger than you, but they are going to love you and teach you and walk with you and counsel you and put band-aids on your knees when you fall down and heal your broken heart. And sometimes they're going to push you and they're going to keep you in line. Mm -hmm. But that's what family does. And just kind of walk this baby up and down. Well, he's screaming, just screaming bloody murder. And I get back to the front and we pray and I hand him back to the parents. And then later in my sermon, I said something like, you know, I'm really actually glad that that happened because y'all make this vow, whether or not the child is living up to the standards that you think they should live up to. Sure. You love this baby, even with poopy diapers and screaming at the top of his lungs. Like baptism is a radical inclusion. Of that person, yeah. Of that person in all of their messiness. I kind of love that baptism. People from the church did not appreciate <laughs> the screaming baby, but they also kind of get it. Like, but that's that's who we are. And so. But it's interesting because, like, if you look back on Jesus's baptism, none of that was, like, quiet and orderly. Right. Well, it was, the, was sort of another the Jordan, which was disgusting. It still is kind of disgusting. It's muddy. And I've never been there, but I've seen pictures. Oh, yeah. It's muddy and shallow. It's more of a creek, really. It's, than yeah, like river. there's hardly any water in it. But the other thing I talked about of why Jesus would need to be baptized, in addition to sort of modeling, that in that sense, with all of those people who are gathered at the Jordan, which are sort of the folks who are on the fringes. The you know, people who would have gone out to see John the Baptist. Yeah, who, you know, John the Baptist was. I refer to him as the crunchy vegan, uh, burning man guy. <laughs> flamboyant in a certain way yeah right? absolutely yeah. he he had branding down because <laughs> like ain't nobody wearing camel fur and a leather belt and you know he was trying to serve some elijah realness he was serving some elijah levite maybe realness exactly yeah so in a way jesus going down to the river and for that baptism with all of those people from different walks of life from different parts of you know the area he, in a sense, is showing his solidarity with those with those people. Right. And another, I can't remember if it's Matthew or if it's in a different gospel, when the Pharisees and Sadducees are actually at the river, there's the Pharisees and Sadducees there, right? Yeah. And John says... And he turns on them and he starts yelling at them. I think that's Matthew. Yeah. And John says, you know, the whole brood of vipers thing. Yeah. You're just here because you think it's a popular thing to do now. Or you think of it as a threat. Right. To what we're doing. And so... You know, I figured, well, Jesus could have probably easily gone to the temple and received any sort of like ritual ritual or whatever. And, you know, it probably would have happened. But then that would have been just within the system he was trying to critique a little bit. Right. Because it was Martin Luther King weekend, I wanted to make sure that I included sort of connected Jesus's movement of being in solidarity with those people. Yes. And show how leaders, you know, throughout history, the ones who have been good leaders uh, do that as well. Like they're never separated from the people which they're trying to serve. 
And so I mentioned, you know, well, first I mentioned like FDR and his idea uh, or the fireside chats and the radio broadcasts of speeches and stuff. Yeah. Of course, while I was preaching the sermon, it came to my head. I was like, oh, well, the radio probably wasn't invented like really before FDR. So maybe he was just using new technology. He was using new technology to meet people where they were, which was sitting in front of their radios, listening to the stories every night. Well, and that in a way is showing that like, I'm your president. Like I'm the people's president. I'm not just doing things from afar. Of course, that'll probably turn to Twitter this time, but whatever. Anyway, so then I, then I said... Lord have mercy. Then I said, I know how Gandhi, you know, went on this salt march in India. Could he have taken a car and just, like, met people there? <laughs> yes, he could have. <laughs> and but he chose not to. He chose to walk with the people and then segueing into Dr. King. And a lot of the folks that he worked with did the same. Like, he would never do anything. He would never ask somebody to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. Exactly. And it was very important to be shown in solidarity with those who were being oppressed. And so... Well, and he felt the burden of their well-being, right? Like, I really liked in Selma how they portrayed when he turned around on the bridge. And he said, no, this doesn't feel right. Like, you know, this is not, it's not worth it today. It'll be worth it tomorrow. And turn people around because he sort of recognized that there was something else happening that was really mm. negative and he needed to to get some more backup. Right. But yeah, no, I, I love that idea of Jesus in solidarity and then these justice leaders in solidarity with us. Yeah. And then I included the, the King quote about how faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole, the whole staircase. staircase. Yes. And I think that's really what baptism is, right? It's that first step. And you don't know what the rest of the staircase is. But what you do know is that every step that you are sort of named and claimed by God, right? And yes. so that God is going to be with you no matter what happens, even if there's that weird step in Hogwarts that your that foot, moves the whole staircase or the one that's like your foot can go through and harry's foot got stuck in it like yeah there's times in your faith life where that's actually going to happen that's going to happen right? to you yeah like you will be stuck on the staircase or you might fall up or down the stairs yeah as i've done or the both, stairs so. might end up in a place where they didn't end up yesterday they might take you someplace different right or they could be steeper or they could be you know all sorts of things can happen yeah but your baptism is sort of what starts you on that journey Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like having a map, basically. Baptism says, well, whatever is going to happen, you can count on the grace of God to be with you um, in solidarity with you in the same way that you can count on a map to get you where you need to go. But, you know, if you don't have, it doesn't necessarily need to be baptism, but if you don't have some sort of experience that solidifies that in yeah. your life, then you are kind of going And I blind. love the public element of it. Like for me, when people have come to me as a pastor and said, hey, will you come to our home and baptize our child? Like the answer is no. (laughs) Like this is something that we do in community. And it's not because we're trying to like bolster our ranks. It's because baptism is about the community Mm -hmm. choosing to support somebody in this, in this step. And so you can't do that outside of community. If you wanted to invite everybody from the church to your house, you could do it. Absolutely. Why not? And one of my things I want to do now that I am at a church on the coast Beach baptism. Yeah. How yeah. cool would it be to, to bless the entire Pacific Ocean? <laughs> I would love that. that and I always wondered that like, so if I bless, is it just like the area of the ocean that I'm in or is like the it's people the whole ocean? It's in all Japan the water everywhere. All these people who border the Pacific Ocean anytime they're in the water while I'm doing a baptism. They're all secretly baptized. <laughs> so I often talk about like when I'm doing a baptism and I've got this warm water that i'm using i often say you know this is tap water 
This is not special water. This is not holy water. This is not like oh, you from... Don't, you don't use Evian or <laughs> Fiji? Fiji water. It, no, this is not... It doesn't have extra electrolytes in it. This is like straight up tap water because this water has already been all around the world. Mm. This water, like all water is connected in some way or another. And so this might have come uh, down in the rains. This might have lapped against a far ocean, uh, a far shore. This might have been through our system several times, but that all that water is connected. It's probably been in a toilet or two. It's ubiquitous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sort of dampens the mood, but like it's washed somebody's dishes. There's a whole like water thing. Is like because it's so necessary for life because it makes up most of the earth and most of who we are as Mm -hmm. human beings. Most of our bodies. Yeah, Yeah, this is the image of God's love for us. Mm -hmm. Is that it is everywhere we go. So wherever you are on that map, even like that, God's love is there. And um, and so I sort of said, you know, ordinary water is holy. Like it doesn't have to be special for it to be holy. And for me, that links with communion too. With Jesus taking just what was on the table mm-hmm. and making it special for us. Um, I think that's kind of cool. So the the Pacific Ocean, like you just get, you just bless all of it at the same time. And then the next time I do a baptism, I'll say, actually, this water's already been blessed by the Reverend Anthony Fata. <laughs> I'm sure it's hit the Assuming your tap water comes from the ocean. Oh, shit, well, yeah, so. yeah. No, but through the water rain cycle. Through the water rain cycle. Yeah. Through the snowpack. It'll, it'll happen. It eventually gets there. Gonna, yeah. Some happen. of the same molecules, probably. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Well, cool. Well, thank you. Is there anything else you want to add? Well, after my sermon, we made sure we had our baptismal font out. Uh And our baptismal font is that shell right there. Oh, wow. It's okay. So since you can't see it, it's like bigger than a basketball. Yeah, it's like a big... It's a huge white shell with like kind of colors modeled through it and stuff. But it's sitting on his bookshelf in his office. And it has a little stand or whatever. Yeah. And I thought there was going to be like some story about... The shell. I was like, oh, we're near the beach. Like maybe it just like washed up on shore someday. And like someone <laughs> found it. But I think it was probably ordered from a catalog. But um, so I just made up a story for it. Because I was like, it needs a better story than like someone just bought it. Oh, wow. It. Yeah. Nice. So what was the story? Well, the story is that like, you know, a mermaid washes up on the beach and delivers this shell. Sort of like how Aphrodite was born out of a shell. <laughs> And delivers it to this church on the hill above the beach. And no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> okay. I was like, huh. And then uh, that happened. My so children's I, minister yeah. would have loved that story, though. She's got a mermaid thing going on. And so she'd be like, yes, this is the story. Well, Ours is just a wooden like stand with like a really rusted out brass bowl in it. And mm. So kids are getting rusty water. Pretty classy. They, yeah. It's interesting. Do you get a tetanus shot after that? Yeah, we like to make sure they get all yeah. their inoculations. So um, after the sermon, I got to remind everybody of their baptism by sprinkling water on everybody, which I kind of liked because I was like channeling my inner Anglican priest. <laughs> like the, with the incense boat and yeah, the um, flicking of the oil. and Or like sometimes on Palm Sunday, they'll take a palm and stick it in, in holy water yeah, and, and spray you down. Spray everybody. So that was fun to be able to to do that I yeah like, and it's the remember your baptism because there's also that whole thing about like baptism is once and done right right do you ever have people ask you to rebaptize them like um, they were baptized in a different tradition and they were like oh baptize me again because i'm not i've had people ask about it but i just yeah. say it's not necessary yeah i usually i mean i get into the whole theology of it but it kind of like it's important for me to say it's this is not like a recruitment tool <laughs> like this is a god thing and therefore it's bigger than any denomination and it's bigger uh, than any anyway well cool 
Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And as we wrap up, I'll just say thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to the topics we've been discussing today, if you want to tell us about your baptism, you can find us on sundaymorningsleepin.com or email us at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and iTunes and Google Play and SoundCloud. You can find us anywhere. The scripture is Matthew 3, 13 to 17. Mm-hmm. And... The theme music that you're hearing right now is Take Me Higher by Jazar. So it's traditional at the end of a service, Reverend Anthony Fada, to give a blessing to the congregation. So do you have a blessing for us? People of God, listeners of God out there in the podcast universe, I want you to leave this podcast knowing that uh, no matter what's in your past, no matter what happens in your future, you are claimed and God knows your name before you know your name and that God is going to be with you through the thick and through the thin. And one of the best ways um, to know that is to be involved in Christian community, in that baptismal community, so you can get those signs um, as often as you'd like. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right, amen. Amen. Amen.